Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. Bricky here with the return of the podcast. At the end of today's episode, I'll give you a little indication of why the show went away. There's big things on the horizon for Disneyland for Designers as we're getting ready to hit our 100th episode. And at that moment, a lot of things are going to change, but that's neither here nor there. And I don't want to start out the podcast telling you all about me and my schedule. So let's just dive into today's topic, which is a breakdown of all things that were announced yesterday at the Disney Parks Experience and Products panel during D23 Expo 2022, as hosted by Josh Tomorrow, who is the executive that is in charge of the Disney Parks. Now, I did a complete hot takes video over on the new YouTube channel. Well, same YouTube channel, new name, same Bricky, new name. But like I said, there's a lot of moving parts with my Disney content right now. I'm just kind of rebranding and rebooting everything. The podcast is phase three of this plan. So let's not get too in the weeds on that. But if you wanted to go over to YouTube, it's Hey Bricky. And I gave sort of a very emotional take on what I had just seen. Because overall, I thought that this was the most disappointing Parks panel that I had ever seen. Uh, I thought it was really, really low on actual details, actual projects, shovel and dirt, as I like to say. And uh, the last three of these, we walked away with expectations, anticipations on good things to come. I remember after the last one in 2019, uh, Jared and myself, we went and we were able to actually do a top 10. I created a top 10 of these were the 10 things that I was most uh, excited about. And we were able to sort of critique that list. And there isn't really 10 things, 10 major things. There's 10 blog worthy things, but not 10 convention worthy things. So not to repeat myself, I just wanted to give you a heads up that if you haven't seen the video over at Hey Bricky, you might want to check it out. It kind of popped for my smaller YouTube channel. Uh, it, the video now has more views than this channel has subscribers. So that's always a fun little magic trick when you can pull that off. But I just, if you want to kind of get the emotion of things, that's over there. But what I wanted to do with the podcast and why I enjoy doing the podcast is it can be a little bit longer format and I can kind of get into some of the details because there were a lot of things announced for the Disneyland Resort, just nothing major like we had seen in years past. And real quick, let's look back at the last three. 2019, we get all the details about Avengers Campus as well as massive announcements about Epcot. Going back to 2017, is when we actually got to see the model for Galaxy's Edge and the announcement for Avengers Campus at DCA. And then going back to 15 is when we actually got to see, I think my years are right there, and 15, 16, whenever that was, we got to see the announcement of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Now I know they can't always be creating new lands. I understand that. I, I understand more than anyone how Disneyland is such an intricate design. There's a city that sprouted up around it. It's not Walt Disney World. We don't have unlimited land around the park. So it's not like I expect a new land every two years. That's far from being realistic. But what I do expect is concrete announcements, a new attraction, a new retheming of something, just real world projects, not what if we did something wacky like this or what we got is a bunch of blog posts. Conventions, I think you should really set the bar high and say, hey, this is where we're going. This is something big that we have planned. Everything big was incredibly vague, and we'll get into that in today's show. So let's just jump in. I've already spent way too much time setting this up. 
let's just jump into our very first thing that kind of was an indication things might be going off the rails here. So we started with John Favreau coming out, which instantly said, okay, something Mandalorian. Now the most optimistic thing that they could have done that would have blown us all away. We're going to go ahead and use that plot of land that we're holding on to for a third attraction, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland. We're going to do a Mandalorian attraction. Now that would have really just exploded and, and just that alone would have been like, that was a great parks panel. And that alone would have given me an idea of where Bob and Josh's vision of the park is going, because don't forget, this is the very first D23 where Bob Chapik is in charge of Disney as a company and tomorrow is in charge of Disney parks. So this was really their big showing of this is our vision for the future because everything that has happened already was under the Bob Iger playbook. And under Bob Iger, I should say in his honor, Bob Chapek spent more money on Disney parks than any park president ever had. But I was always confused. Was that Chapek being aggressive or was that Chapek being Bob Iger's foot soldier and just literally taking Iger's vision and being the one to execute it? And now we have a bigger idea of the Chapek tomorrow vision of where the park's going because there was no Razor Crest announcement. And I know the Razor Crest has already exploded, but come on, that Star Wars timeline's wacky. Newsflash Kylo Ren's dead, but alive at Disneyland. So anything's quite possible. So then it wasn't Blue Sky, a new attraction, and it wasn't even the Millennium Falcon now has a mission. Where you get to fly along with Mando and help him solve some sort of, you know, unique quest that we all would get to go on, which would give them the ability through the projections to bring in Grogu and Mando and some of those other characters and, and change up a simulator ride, which all things considered, not the biggest expense, but really rewarding for the guest. But no, we go down a step further, John Favreau an amazing talent and storyteller was brought out to co-announce a Mandalorian and Grogu meet and greet. Now it's happening in November. I'll go see it. I'll put it on the Hey Bricky YouTube channel. Please subscribe. I'll go see it. I'm not going to throw this in the dumpster, but do you get what I'm saying? Is this really your kickoff? And I thought maybe they're going to start slow and work their way up to something big. Maybe they don't want to just come out guns a blazing in the beginning. You know, there's two different ways that you can sort of approach this type of thing. But friends, this is a blog post. This is not a convention announcement. And I'm going to go a step further and say, I was not impressed by Grogu, the animatronic that is on the hip of Mando, which obviously being on the hip allows the mechanisms to control him. I thought that this version of Grogu looked scary and not cute and more like something I could easily find at target. And now that I think about it, the version at target is friendlier looking. There was something about this one that looked sort of menacing. It, it didn't quite look right, which brings us to our next announcement where Kevin Feige of Marvel comes out. So we've got another big name. We've got another big co-host and they give us the Hulk project exo robotics exoskeleton meet and greet that will be coming to Avengers campus next week. Now let's break all this down. We have seen 
Project Exoskeleton be developed over quite some time now. It's really interesting. You take a human, you put them up on stilks, stilts, but with the technology that they've created, they're sort of embedded inside of this larger than life character. And because they've created this whole exoskeleton around a human, they kind of get lost inside of this character, giving them the ability to bring a character like the Incredible Hulk or Thanos, you know, these larger than life characters to us. And look, one of the best things about Avengers Campus has been watch it on Wednesday, see it at the park on Wednesday. Like the idea that they keep just pumping in characters is fantastic. The idea that these characters have to just disappear after a week is a little bit of a bum out. It would be fun if every time you walk through there, there's just a rando cruising around and they would randomly bring them back. Like seeing Moon Knight at, um, OBB Oogie Boogie Bash was fantastic just to see, Oh, there's Moon Knight. He's back. Like it just is so fun to not know what you're going to get. But I'll say this, this version of the project exoskeleton is a really weird way to start this project. And the look of this character was insanely odd. So first off they have the Hulk and forgive me for not knowing the exact name of this costume, but you remember in one of the movies where they have to put on these spacesuits and they're going to just jump around. I believe this was the Avengers movie where Hulk, you know, is going to try to go get the gauntlet or whatever. It all blurs together. There's so many movies. It's not hard for me to keep them all separate in my mind, but the spacesuit that he has in from Avengers Endgame is like weird, right? Because fabric would be an easier depiction of the Hulk's body than sculpting him. So that's already like a quick cheat. But then he has a helmet on. And I thought that the helmet would be so that they could have, you know, if you're only showing the eyes, maybe the eyes would become a video board so the Hulk could blink and sort of, you know, look back and forth. But no, it's not animated at all, which then got me to reverse engineer why. You know, everything that you see is creative problem solving at Disney. So you look at what you're presented and then you work backwards to why is this what I'm getting? And you realize that the fabric is easier to sculpt than the actual muscles. So that's sort of a shortcut to get this out faster, quicker, and more affordable. And then the helmet is so that the cast member can basically wear a motorcycle helmet. And that motorcycle helmet has a windshield that they can look through. And you know, when you ride on a bus and you're looking out the window and you can see, you know, the Toy Story parking lot going by, but everybody else just sees all their favorite friends from Toy Story because it's wrapped with this sticker, but you're looking through the halftones. I think that's what this is. I think it's literally a helmet so that the person that is walking around up in the air and operating this can have a clear line of vision because you don't want to be blinded when you're walking around in this outfit. I'll be very curious to see how long this lasts. I'll be very curious to see, is this a giveaway that, you know, in that episode of she Hulk, we'll see the incredible Hulk or Hulk just bring back this costume and do some more time jumping. Like this is really an odd announcement, especially to have Kevin out there for, I, I, I think that this, if this is the version of this technology, they maybe should have waited six months. They maybe should have waited a year because I don't feel like this is the proper execution of what they were hoping for 
with the project exoskeleton. Like he just looked weird. His movement was weird. And once again, I'll be out there. I'll take a photo of it. I'll go see it. But I'm at the park every week. And I'm trying to look at this from the angle of people that are booking a vacation or people that just, you know, really want something new to dream on. These first two announcements are all social media fed. Here's something new you can take your photo next to. And then what should have been, I think the most impressive announcement is the new Avengers campus e-ticket is coming, right? They've already built a front facade, the Quinjet's on top. We knew that we were going to eventually get an e-ticket for the land, which I think that it really needs. It's an, it's an interesting land that Guardians is on one far end and Webb is on another far end. So my term Avengers hallway is kind of true because when you're walking through the hallway, if there's no characters out, there's just not a lot happening other than a very loud and quick looping soundtrack. So getting to hear that we're going to get a new e-ticket is always exciting. But getting to hear that it's going to be about Avengers, a property that is a multi-generational experience, that's double exciting. But I ask you this, what was the announcement? It was so incredibly vague. I'll tell you everything that I know. They told us that the new villain is a new character called King Thanos. Because this attraction, second announcement, happens inside the multiverse, where it's an alternate version of history where what if Thanos succeeded? What if he actually got what he wanted and wasn't defeated by the Avengers? That's it. The third thing that I can gather is they gave us this incredibly vague, I mean, ultra vague piece of artwork that has a ride vehicle in the bottom third that we're sort of looking over eight guest shoulders. So it could be a similar ride system of rise, or if there's two more rows, it could be similar to Mickey and Minnie's runaway railway, but that was it. We're doing this. We got a little bit of a storyline, no timeline, no commitment in, in any way whatsoever. And so let's just park here for a second, because I don't like to criticize without offering a suggestion. Because if you just criticize and criticize and then you don't say, you know, well, how could it be made better? You're just an asshole. You're just somebody's like, yeah, I don't like what I got. But if you can intelligently go, well, this is what you did wrong, but maybe how you could have did it better, then you're actually having a conversation and you're showing your love for the product, which I do love Disney parks, which is why I do this because I care. And I also care about keeping people honest and saying, I expect as much from you as I expect from myself. And this was a huge letdown. So let's just kind of rewind a little bit. Imagine if the biggest announcement of the entire panel was a multi-layered conversation about a new Avengers e-ticket. They showed us photos from a couple of scenes. They showed us maybe how the ride was going to work and even a model of the building, right? That would have been amazing. And you go, but if they're not there, they can't announce it. And ah, you've made a good point, my friend. Because why aren't they there? D23 didn't sneak up on Disney. They knew this was coming. Why didn't somebody in Disney Parks and Experiences, in conjunction with Walt Disney Imagineering, why didn't somebody say, 
We really need to have a solid, concrete announcement in September. Why wasn't this talked about in September last year? Well, we had a pandemic. Okay, get past that. Disney has more money than God. They made a lot of money off of the pandemic. All the Imagineers were still working Monday through Friday from home. Guess what? You can take your iPad home and you can still draw things. They were all in Zoom meetings. Let's stop using the pandemic as a huge excuse. The only excuse you have from the pandemic is if you're dead. Yeah, you can't make a theme park because you died during the pandemic. And some people did. And that's really sad. But the rest of us survive. And we need to stop using it as an excuse when it's convenient for whatever corporate narrative we're trying to sell to people. And oh, was the waxing poetic about the pandemic in act one of yesterday's presentation a big part of it? It was actually setting up the storyline of like, we're just going to give you loose announcements because we lost a lot of time and we don't have anything for you. But last September, it would have been easy to put a team of people on this project and say, hey, Bobby C., J.D., you're running the company now. People want some indication of your leadership and your vision for Disney Parks. You have to show up with one concrete theme park announcement. And this would have been the perfect one. The land is built. The front facade is built. The world is built. The fandom is there. The number one panel people cared about this weekend was the Marvel panel. That's where it's at right now. The synergy. That's where they have their most hits. And now I think this is where they have one of their biggest misses. This was a moment to say, this is where we're at and this is where we're going. And instead, we got the most incredibly vague pitch that I've ever seen. I come from the world of design and advertising and marketing. If you went into any agency and pitched that deck, you would get laughed out of the room and they go, wow, they really didn't do their homework. They try to just kind of wing that on one illustration and a good story. And that's when I knew we were in trouble, serious trouble, because that was a moment to turn it all around, to gain a headline, and we would always look back at 2022 as the year that we found out about the Avengers multiverse attraction that we were getting. Just like the last couple of years, we've all been going, oh my God. Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, I can't wait to write it. I will get to write it at the end of this month, and I'm counting down the days because I've been following that project. I've been in love with that project ever since they announced it and blew my imagination away with what that could be at a D23. I was floored at how vague that was. And then the next thing that we learned, staying inside of DCA, Pacific Wharf, at DCA will be reimagined into San Francisco. Francisco. San Francisco. San Francisco. One of those is right. So no need to correct me. That was it. We got one image of the bridge that takes us over to the Pacific Wharf, looking very much like something that you would see in. Chinatown of San Francisco, also from Big Hero 6. The buildings over on the wharf are exactly the same, but they seem to have Chinese lanterns, Japanese lanterns. Sorry, not knowing exactly what I'm looking at. 
draped all on the balconies. It has a nice warm glow to it. And hey, I'm here for this. I love retheming of the parks. But once again, this was so vague. An image, a sentence, let's move on to the next thing. This is a low stakes investment. Retheming the Pacific Wharf, which is, you know, it's a food court. Disneyland doesn't have a food court. It has locations where you go and get food. The food court is kind of a real cheap cost cutting thing that they put inside of DCA. It's one of the last things that's kind of problematic. So retheming it and bringing in an IP in and now people that love, you know, Betamax and Big Hero 6, they have an area to celebrate. So let's go back to what I just said about uh, the Avengers ride. You could uh, easily have fleshed this thing out and made it a real tangible announcement and showed us a surprise model of how it looked. Not just an illustration that you had somebody whip up. You know, I'm excited that that Avengers e-ticket is coming. I'm very excited. But it was so vague that I don't really trust it. And when I look at this, a lot of people are like, Bricky, what do you think about the announcement of Pacific Wharf? I, I, I don't know. We're getting a new bridge. We're getting new lights. You guys know me. I love decorations. I'll go out to the park and film every single Christmas decoration and every Halloween decoration because I love it. But what is this? Like, I literally, and, and I, I know that I'm drifting, drifting hard and complaining here. But my dream for this week was to bring the podcast back post D23 and do some deep design breakdowns. Okay, guys, from looking at the video, from looking at the concept art, this is what I saw. This is how they're doing it. This is the problem solving. This is the intention. This is the overall narrative I'm seeing from this project. And I cannot do that because I have no information to base any of that off of. So yeah, there's another piece of concept art Uh, and quick reminder. Let's go over to Pinterest. Let's go over to Google image search. Let's look at any documentary over on YouTube. The walls are paved with concept art of great ideas that just weren't executed because time, money, or lack of interest. Moving down the list, Run Disney will return to the Disneyland Resort in 2024. That's awesome. I know a lot of people were really, really excited about that and not taking anything away from Run Disney. But when that's a lot of people's favorite announcement, that's very different than years of a Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. We did get some new pieces of concept art for Mickey's Toontown. And we also got a beautiful model that was cut up into two pieces that I did a 10 minute video over on Hey Bricky going through every bit of those models. I love model making. I love looking at the world so tiny and so small. And I love making myself one of those little people walking through Uh, the model. So I broke down the business district, if you will, half of the business district of Toontown, where there's the new theater that's coming that will be the front facade that will take us into the show building, which will be for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Another thing that was once announced at a D23 that I just dreamt about riding for years. I've now been lucky enough to be out to Hollywood Studios and ride it twice. And I think it is a fantastic attraction. And something I just, I fell in love. They just showed us a quick video at D23 past of just how the wall was going to transform. And I thought, man, that is so creative and genius to use a room full of projections. And instead of using animatronics to animate figures, let's animate the room. Let's turn a box that could be projected as a building 
into a cone that could be projected into a tree. Fantastic creativity. Just was completely sold on it. So the models are really fantastic. Uh, I talked to all the Imagineers who were in the room and they're like, our number one goal with this was to make it accessible to all. And you can really see they regraded, they reshaped the residential area where Goofy's Playhouse is at in Donald's boat to make it to where no walking, no problem. Any child is going to be able to play in any square inch of it. And that is just fantastic that just everybody can go there and do what they want. Walt's wishing tree looked a little light on details. I'm going to hope that there's enough TLC in the real world version for it to have the name Walt's wishing tree, but the new fountain looked really cool. And there's a lot of uh, sensory experiences, which is great because I know lots of kids learn and play in different levels, you know? Some children like to get out there and get their hands dirty and rip down a slide and other channel or children want to just, you know, play in the water because that sensory does something for them and how they understand and see the world. There's a whole sound area where kids get to play with sound. So, you know, if you're traditional and you want to be on something that's like a swing or a slide, that tangible contact that's there. But if you want sound or touch, however your child navigates the world, both on wheels or on feet or experiences the world through hands, through eyes, through ears. They've got every child covered, which I think is a beautiful agenda for a play area for children. I mean, shouldn't every kid be able to go to Disneyland and have a good time and experience everything. We did get to see some concept art. Unfortunately, the concept art was just of the queue. Um, and it looks a little, little puzzling. The look of the interior out of Hollywood studios is movie premiere, but then we go inside and there's, you know, photos of the railway and kind of has a railway type vibe to it. This one somehow looks disco and music influenced. And I'm wondering if we should take some conclusions from that, that maybe the storyline on this one is a little bit different. We see, you know, boom boxes and subwoofers and tweeters and a, a dance floor, uh, old school Saturday night, Saturday night fever, almost said Saturday night live Saturday night fever type dance floor where, you know, the, the blocks illuminate before you, but we also see old timey musical stuff. So really curious how that plays into this storyline of this attraction, because the other one is very run, uh, you know, railroad based. We got some concept art of what it's going to look like to play around Donald's boat. The water has been removed. So now it is a splash zone. So that gives actual more space for, Kids to run around and play, but it looks like, you know, there'll be padded blue water type area there where you can run around in. And then Goofy's house just completely reimagined. And that's the area that has all these different stations for different kids to play and learn in the way that they, they want to learn. There is almost a child in a wheelchair in every one of these different vignettes, which I think shows where we're at with the world where we're starting to realize it's not like... Oh, too bad you can't do this. Everyone should be able to do everything at Disneyland. And I think that a lot of the things that were built back in the day, I'm not saying the Main Street train station should be removed because it's not accessible, because it's historic piece of our past that should remain. But if you build a new train station, everyone should be able to get on the train. And with this play area, everyone should be able to play. And I like that that is the, the area that they've gone in and it, it makes sense. You know, why wouldn't you do that? You're Disney. It's kind of your responsibility. The next announcement we got was the biggest non announcement. 
Paradise Pier Hotel is officially be called Pixar Place Hotel. I was missing the one word. I was missing the one word, place. That's how they surprise us all by putting Pixar Place Hotel in there. And I think that the word place makes a lot of sense because Pixar Pier is over in the park. But Pixar Place can be a place where there can be a place for character meet and greets or character dining. So if you're a fan of Pixar and you're not in the parks or you don't have a reservation that morning and you're staying on resort, you can go here to have Pixar experiences. So I like that name. And then they also said there will be a Finding Nemo splash pad. I'm assuming that'll be up at the really nice pool that that hotel has. Um, But the concept art couldn't be more vague. No real detail or walkthrough of like, hey, you know, we're going to have this octopus with moving arms that will splash kids. Or you'll get to do this little like, you know, child friendly, lazy river. Just, you know, a couple of adults looking at their children with water spouts coming up from the ground. Couldn't be more vague, which was the theme this year. We got more details, loose details about Tiana's Bayou Adventure. Now, one of the things that I did get excited about was this announcement because I've been a big fan of this re-theme and I enjoyed seeing what this attraction is going to look like at night. They had a couple of animations that they had made and the nighttime version of this looks fantastic. The layers of the soon-to-be grassy hill because it no longer looks like a mountain, but the different layers all have really vibrant lighting packages. We see shades of magenta and orange and kind of contrasting with the green of the hill and really making the blue waterfall shine and then the blue lagoon below look darker. This lighting package is phenomenal and I'm excited because even though I'm looking forward to this re-theme, I don't think that it looks as good as Splash Mountain. I don't. I saw it. I was like, oh, it's not what I was expecting. Because right now with Splash Mountain, we can see that red soil, right? That red soil, when you see that earth, that red clay, you know what part of the country that you're in. And the top of Splash Mountain looks like a mountain. Well, in the blue sky artwork that we saw uh, back in 2020 during the worst version of America, The top of it had that rotted out tree within the boat on top of it. Have not seen the movie, so go ahead and criticize below. But you don't have to see the movies to enjoy the park. I am a uh, big fan of that strategy. But that's not on top of, quote unquote, the mountain. And instead, instead, it's more of a grassy gnome. Um. So now it looks like a big hill. It it no longer has mountain features to it. There's a water tower put next to it that has what looks to be like a loose workings of a crown to sort of indicate what we're looking at. And that water tower was put there to create a perspective of just how tall, you know, this hill is because it's, no longer a mountain. So um, I broke down 
Toontown, and I wanted to do the same for Splash Mountain, so I overshot the model, which I learned you're now going to enter kind of in the middle of the attraction. You're no longer walking down to where the barn is. The entryway will now be in the middle. Because as I said earlier, the people that stand around these models are the Imagineers that work on the projects. And they go, let me know if you have any questions. And I go, oh, you're going to regret saying that. Because I'm going to ask you more than you probably know about this project. So I just wasn't that impressed with the exterior model. And because I'm not a big fan of walking around the park with wet shoes and socks or pants or underpants and maybe getting chafed, uh, I will be looking at this more on the outside than I do on the interior. So big hopes that the interior is the star of the show because I'm not feeling the outside during the daylight hours, but the exterior at night does look absolutely fantastic. And that will be a fun thing to see as I'm walking into or out of galaxy's edge. Cause I always like to go in one entrance of galaxy's edge and then go out one of the opposite ones. I just love coming in and out of that part of Disneyland. Okay. So that is our attraction news. Everything else is show based. And the big thing that we learned that Disneyland will be the primary home to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the Walt Disney Company, which makes sense because it was started in California, not in Florida. So we're going to get a new Wondrous Journey Fireworks Spectacular that will debut next year. So we'll get a new fireworks show for the 100th. Um, there will be new platinum decorations and character costumes for the 100 years of wonder celebration. There will be World of Color 1, which is kind of an interesting name because to me, World of Color 1 would be the first show that we got there. But I guess it's 1 as in the first 100 years featuring Coco and Kanto uh, and more. Uh, you know, <laughs> not that I don't like Coco and Kanto, not that I don't realize that that really represents the customer of the demo of the Disneyland Resort, but uh, it's 100. Maybe it would be like, Big Snow White scene, you know, kind of the movie that financed the park some of its crucial years. And I really hope that it's not all movie based because over the hundred years, Disney's done a lot more than just make some movies. Like, let's put ESPN in there, right? Let's put some of our favorite soap operas on ABC in there. Just joking on those last two, but I hope it's not movie based. I really hate when all the parks do is celebrate the films and not the actual park that family of five just spent thousands of dollars to travel to and then they just end up seeing movie trailers i think it means a lot to guests like oh that's the attraction that we rode today and had a good time as a family or that's the thing that we got to see for the first time ever today because we've seen it on social media for years and i'm so glad that i spent five thousand dollars bringing my family here and now we're celebrating the thing that we just did versus oh yeah i remember seeing that movie that was a pretty good movie and then we hear that the Magic Happens Parade will return. Awesome. That's a blog post. <laughs> Bringing a parade back is a blog post. That's not convention worthy. And then the overview of the downtown Disney district was light on details. We heard about what restaurants are coming. And the big one was Porto's Bakery is going to be there. And uh, if you're in the panel just so that you left with a good taste in your mouth. They actually gave you a sample treat. 
friends. That is everything, everything coming to Disneyland that we know of for the next two to three years. So keep in mind, they were to do D23 in 2024, and we get some awesome announcements. Those things probably wouldn't be constructed or finished to 2027. So if you don't want to know about announcements anymore, this is where the whole thing just becomes about the business side of things. Cause I just, I can't help myself. I can't resist documenting and, and playing sports radio on what it is that I just saw. So that means the Bob Chapik and Josh tomorrow, Josh tomorrow doesn't get out of this anymore. Bob's a little awkward and Josh is smooth. Knows how to work a crowd, and he happens to be a good-looking guy. And I think that his good looks have gotten him a lot of good graces. But that stops today. Because if you're going to come on the stage and more than three times, tell me what a great job you have. Guys, I have a really great job. We get it. We know it. You're going to say that. Then you also have to take the accountability for your really great job. And I don't see a job here well done because this is their roadmap. To where the parks are going. So if I reverse engineer when you get the announcement and when shit gets done, we're looking at maybe five years before anything really substantial, seven years before anything really substantial happens at the Disneyland Resort. But Bricky, we just came out of a pandemic. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was there Saturday night. The park was full. Every restaurant in downtown Disney was an hour 45 wait. Disneyland restaurants don't even allow you to do walk-ups anymore. So if you didn't book a place to eat, you weren't getting in. Even though Storyteller Cafe had several open tables. And even though the Craftsman uh, Bar and Grill had several open tables. And everybody was looking for a place to eat. Nah, we can't do a walk-up. We can't accommodate you today because you didn't book this a month ago. How on earth would we possibly let you have a table tonight when you happen to be hungry at 830 and standing here? You were supposed to know all of those things were going to happen six weeks ago, even though I was standing next to a friend of mine in town from Celebration, Florida, and a new friend that I had just met that lives in Orlando, Florida. Those two guys and me were supposed to know that we were all going to hang out at D23 and then afterwards, walk over to the park and try to get something to eat and reserve that empty table that nobody's sitting at. This is a very long window for nothing major to be happening. And I remember when I first fell in love with the parks, I was blown away when I learned that the newest attraction was Indiana Jones. <laughs> I was like, what? They don't ever build new stuff? How do, How's that work? I, I, I mean... My home park as a kid was Kings Island in Cincinnati. And almost every summer, Kings Island would start running this ad for the Beast or for King Cobra or for the Vortex. And you're like, man, I got to get to Cincinnati. I got to ride the Vortex. I got to get on the King Cobra and do a roller coaster standing up because I've never done that before. Or I got to go back because they just redid the Beast. And I was blown away. I'm like, whoa. They don't make new stuff. That's wild. But then the social media 
renaissance of theme parks began and they had to make new stuff because the photos feeds the FOMO and the FOMO sells the tickets, books the hotels, and makes people buy all the ridiculous stunt foods. So their play is to go into this next window with really nothing concrete. I mean, sure, they could just blow us all away. And, you know, when it's done next October, they could say, okay, here's what this new Avengers, you know, e-ticket's going to be. That could happen. So all hope isn't lost. But let's reverse engineer the math. That's what I love to do, baby. Tron could be done probably in a month, but they said Tron's going to be done in spring of 2023. Why? Well, do you, are you going to Walt Disney World in the month of November, December? Because if you are, you probably already know that you're going. I mean, I know that I'm going to be there the end of September. I know that I'm going to be there through the 1st of October. I'm going out for the 40th um, anniversary of Epcot, the park that I've just fallen in love with. I don't know I'm going to go out there in February. So I know my next two trips of when they're happening at Walt Disney World. So theoretically... If Tron opens up, say, October 1st, which probably could if they were going at the DVC hotel pace, then I'd be like, yeah, sick, a bonus. But it didn't sell a new ticket. It didn't book a new hotel room because I'm already going. Tron's going to open up in the spring because those tickets haven't been purchased. Those hotels haven't been booked. That's how they play the game. Not get it out today, get it out in a cycle so we can have a whole crop of people that buy into the new attraction. I'm not saying that's wrong. That's just called business. But where is that for Disneyland over the next five years? Because let's just say in 2024 is when they actually can tell us what they're doing with uh, the Avengers e-ticket. And then at current pace, it took them five years to build a clone attraction of Tron that has already been built once before in Shanghai. So should we expect to fight King Thanos in 2029? Call it even 2030. Will that storyline and those characters still be relevant at that point? Considering there's always something happening in the MCU TV series stops, movie gets dropped, new TV series starts. And in 2029, we're going to go back to then, which will be an old movie of like, oh, this is what would have happened. Hey, you remember when we saw Avengers Endgame? Like, I, I got to look that up real quick. I'm just going to type uh, Avengers Endgame here in the old Google machine and just see, you know, along that timeline, when did that movie Avengers Endgame? Let's see here. 2019. Oh, <laughs> So for the 10-year anniversary of Avengers Endgame, you can finally now go and see what would happen if Thanos would have wanted to become King Thanos of the Galaxy. But don't worry. Through the powers of the multiverse and this new attraction, you can fight King Thanos. Question. Who's the CEO in 2029? Is it Bob Chabick? Is Smooth JD running the Disney parks in 2029? Because I'm really curious. This panel was so, I didn't get my homework done. Call up Walt Disney Imagineering, have them 
shoot us over some fancy illustrations and let's just kind of get it out and, and show people we got to show them something. So let's just show them something. I talked to somebody who I probably shouldn't name, but I'll tell you this. There's somebody that I really respect that's in the Disney ecosystem of media. I'll leave it at that. And I said, Hey bud, we're talking, you know, on main street one day, I see this person in the park and we always say hi. And we always have a little fun, like, you know, extreme fan content creator conversation. I said, you know, what do you, what do you think about this? Like weird Tomorrowland rumor of bringing a people mover back. Like, are they going to cheap out and, you know, like bring the people mover back? Cause that's like $50 million, but tearing it all down and rebuilding the whole land is $500 million. You know, it kind of sounds on brand for these guys. Just kind of like, what's the cheapest way we can fix this land and make fans happy and move on down the road. And they said something that halfway through yesterday's presentation, I go, Oh my God, they had a crystal ball. They saw the whole thing. I would love to say their name to give them credit, but I don't want to disclose a private conversation that I had between a fellow creator. But they said, what if at D 23, They just announce a bunch of stuff. What if they have nothing? What if they plan on doing nothing? But what if they just show up some pretty pictures, talk about some stuff to get people looking the other way, to get people happy, but no, they don't have to do any of it. They don't have to commit to any of it. You can just simply say, we're working on some stuff. And my God, they predicted the future. Halfway through, I go, oh, They somehow knew, either through a connection or intuition, not sure which to believe, they somehow knew that it was going to be all smoke and mirrors. So, sort of wrap up this part, because I could go on about it forever. And in fact, I'm going to be doing a live stream today where I finally let, you know, the audience, you know, I'm just going to be basically just live, but reading comments over on Hey Bricky, because I really want to know what other people are thinking, but. My scathing video that I went out had over 580 comments the last time I looked. I think about 575 of them were like, yeah, you nailed it, bud. You got it out the way that you were thinking or the way that we're thinking. So I feel like my uh, assessment is is pretty on the money for how a lot of fans are feeling. So I'm really curious. Bob and Josh showed up with really no roadmap, no vision of where the parks are going. It'll be interesting to see how long they're the ones that keep taking them on the road to nowhere. All right. I sort of promised you that I'd give you an update on where the podcast has been and what's going on. So here's the deal. I love doing the podcast. Podcasting is my first love. I have another podcast called Adventures in Design, which is my full-time job. And the way that Adventures in Design is made possible is through Circle of Trust. Circle of Trust are my ride or die homies. I love them all. That's a business model that I've been on since 2014. When I started doing this show, it was a part of that uh, programming. It was one of the shows that members of the Circle of Trust got. Well, once the pandemic happened and I really doubled down on making Disney content, I realized that this should probably go over in that bucket. And that was not a popular thing. Some COT people felt very slighted that a product that they had paid for and invested in and had been watching it develop was then kicked over to another platform of mine. And I understand what they're saying, but they also have to understand that I am one man 
who doesn't have a huge following on any of my projects. So if you've ever wondered what a blue collar content creator or social media influencer looks like, congratulations. You know one. It's your bud, Bricky. So I love the world too much, which makes me want to do too much. And when you try to do too much, you don't get anything done, come to find out. So I took a break from the podcast because, quite frankly, when these episodes upload, there is no ad revenue. So people that just listen for free, God bless you. I appreciate you showing up and listening and caring about what I have to say. That's great. But when people watch for free over on YouTube, I do get a small amount of ad cents, and it really is cents on the dollar. But thousands of people watch your hundreds of videos. It does add up at the end of the month, and it, it pays a couple of bills. And the idea is to keep growing over on YouTube so that sort of advertising money pays more than a few bills, pays my way through this world. And so in the interim, when I had too much going on, the podcast was just sort of that tipping point of like, well, I don't really get direct money from it. Now, I do know that some people that are in Club 1313 don't give two diddly squats about YouTube, and they signed up because they wanted to support the podcast. And that has now been brought to my attention, and I want to make sure that I take care of those consumers, those friends of mine. Eh, this is a weird spot. I'm kind of in my business hat. So, you know, I'm saying consumer because they're spending money with me and I'm right now kind of taking away my love of the game and looking at it as a business person, which I have to be sometimes, unfortunately. So the idea is this. There is a reboot of the podcast that's coming. There is an idea of how people can contribute to the podcast but I don't ever just want people to show up and give me money for free because I believe that if you spend money, the act of spending money is that you buy something. So this summer, when a lot of people were like, hey, you're going to bring the podcast back. Where's the podcast at? I kind of thought about how do I do it without a co-host? Because I no longer have time to be on somebody else's schedule. I'm maxed out. And so I came up with the idea of reviewing the news, doing it in segments. And I really enjoyed it. And it seemed like... Most people did as well. And then right before I said goodbye, because I knew that I had to really kind of put the podcast on pause and focus on the rebranding of my YouTube channel from Adventures in Design, which was a channel that I owned since 2013, I think is when I started a YouTube channel. And podcasting on YouTube just wasn't a thing in 2013. And really the big thing was, is I'm interviewing people and people are like, hey, uh, is this going to be on video? Because I really don't want people to see my office or I don't want to see people, people see my bedroom. And, you know, I had a hard time getting female guests on the show back in the day for reasons um, that, you know, interviewing was new. And I just got a lot of interesting replies from female guests. I don't like the sound of my voice or I don't have anything to say. I don't really want to do any interviews right now. It's like, wow, so weird because. You can ask a white guy any question and they'll always be like, yeah, man, I know the answer, even though they clearly don't. <laughs> and it just goes to show like how like thought out and methodic women are. But the number one thing that I got from female guests that I was desperately trying to get on the show was like, yeah, I mean, if it's going to be filmed, though, like I want to pass because that means I have to, you know, like put on my makeup and all that stuff. So I just kind of abandoned the channel. And when I got back into Disney content, I decided to just use the channel I already had, which is probably a big mistake. Because now I've spent a lot of time studying the YouTube algorithm, and it probably would have been best just to start over at a deficit of zero instead of trying to take a shortcut of, I don't know, 1,800 subscribers. 
but I rode that horse and I always knew that I'd have to rename it. And eventually I wanted to know what the culture of the channel was before I branded it. And Hey Bricky is a thing that people say to me in the park when they see me, Hey Bricky, or Hey Bricky, you know, and that's my favorite part of the project. I do all this because I'm a people person and I love making people happy. And so Adventures in Design focuses on my love of art and design and business, namely business as a freelancer, where you just go through this world working for yourself. It's one of the most freeing things that anybody can do, even though you kind of also create a prison that you've designed that you're trapped inside of. So loving those topics is part of the puzzle, but loving my audience is the biggest part of the puzzle. So with Disney content, I love the park. I love going there. I love the SimCity aspect of it. I love how it's always under a state of growth and construction. And I love explaining how it's a place where art on a piece of paper or now on an iPad becomes a real thing that thousands, millions of people from all around the world get to experience. But once again, my favorite part of being a Disney content creator is meeting Disney friends. And when people see me in the park, which is normally how I meet people that consume my Disney content, them being excited to say, Hey, Bricky, we watch the channel or Hey, Bricky, you know, I love the video or Hey, Bricky, I listen to the podcast. That's my favorite moment. Getting to meet you is my favorite moment because I do this to make people happy and naming my channel after that moment of happiness. So much better than being like this magic pod channel. You know, like (laughs) ears on ears, magic churro show. Um, So yeah, it's my last name. It's how people say hi to me. And I love when people say hi to me. And I encourage you to do that if you ever recognize me, because I don't know what you look like, but I'd love to meet you. And so if you initiate that, I always will stop and have a conversation. Or if you just do a drive by, hey, Bricky, what's up? Hey, man, how's it going? You know, those are fun too. So that's how I renamed it. And so I took a little bit of a break from the podcast, but I knew that after Labor Day weekend happened and I knew after D23 happened, it was time to bring it back and it is back. And we're going to go as business per usual because I'm a weirdo because I really want to just do a hundred episodes as Disneyland for designers. So off the top of my head later with the new project and just be like, oh, you know, I did a hundred episodes of Disneyland designers and then I started doing this new show. So yeah, things are going to change. And the skeleton dance episode that I did was um, a big indication of how some things might change. And that was a big sort of audition for how would people respond to biography podcast content, taking one story, one project inside the world of Disney and breaking it down into a audio format. So yeah, there's a lot of exciting things coming. I didn't forget about you. I didn't leave you hanging. I'm just, uh, I'm a work in progress. You know, I really love my job. I love what I do and I'm just not really big. (laughs) Like I just don't have the big numbers. You know, the YouTube channel is just cracking over 22,000. My social media numbers are low. Like I just, whatever reason I haven't made a product that's resonated with the masses. So I'm a blue collar content creator. I do my podcast AID that has the circle of trust. I do my Disney content that has club1313.com and I have the money that I actually make from the videos over on YouTube. So you can kind of see we're just kind of throwing podcasts 
out into the abyss where there's no direct return of income, but also how do you tell somebody you like their podcast? A YouTube video has a comment section and I'm addicted to the comment section. I love seeing people's reaction to the content. That's why I do it. But the podcast is just like this dark abyss. You just throw an episode out. It's like putting a message in a bottle and hoping it lands on the other side of a body of water to somebody that loves Disney parks like I do. So I really do appreciate when you guys DM me and reach out to me however you can to say, hey, I'm listening. That really does help me keep going. And uh, that's a big part of where this project is headed to. So I didn't want to start off the show with all this like self-indulgent stuff. I just want to get right in the meat of potatoes and know that the people that made it to the end are the people that are my friends. So thank you so much for showing up. I'll see you next Monday when we break down the news of the week. And maybe if there's no news, maybe it'll be a bio episode that drops. Maybe I'll go deep in the ditches of an old story from somewhere in the Walt Disney Corporation. Because lucky for me, there's a hundred years of stories that I haven't told yet. Friends, thank you so much for showing up. Reach out to me wherever is convenient for you. and Let me know that you listened. And uh, if you want to talk Disney parks, maybe you'll make it in time for my uh, live stream over at Hey Bricky. And I'd love to see you subscribe over at Hey Bricky. And if you really want to make all this happen and, uh, you know, go with somebody who's working hard, but has sort of a smaller content and needs the resources of the audience to make it keep happening. Feel free to go over to club 1313.com and become a member because our, you might sign up for the content, the extra content, but I promise you the discord will keep you our community of friends. We did a meetup last night in the hotel lobby uh, across the street from D23 and just, you know, everybody's just ripping. I saw this panel. I did this. I did that. Some of our, our friends didn't even make it because they're all hanging out together over in Disneyland. And then sadly, uh, everybody went to Disneyland after me. I was just too tired. I'm like, I just want to go home and see my wife for the first time in three days. Cause I've been burning this content creator candle at both ends. So yeah, that's a nice little bonus. I think people want to sign up because they want to, you know, assist me in making all this happen. Uh, and they want that extra content, maybe the things they don't get to hear. And that's going to be a big part of the podcast moving forward. And, uh, but I think the thing that keeps them is the community. And I really appreciate that. I have probably the most beautiful thing that I have built is that community of people as well as the circle of trust. Um, bringing people together on a common love and then seeing strangers become friends and then become very close friends and knowing that you had a helping hand in that that is beyond financial reward but i would take a financial reward too <laughs> friends thank you so much for showing up i'll see you back here next monday or anytime soon over at hey bricky on youtube